And then, go with me in John chapter 1. Let's look at verse 19 for just a moment. John 1. Praise God. 19. Now, this was John's testimony. John the Baptist. So, John the disciple is writing about John the Baptist. This is John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Christ. Okay, remember, the Jews had all the Old Testament prophecy. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. And so many people were coming out to John the Baptist. They were wondering, are you the Messiah? He was confessing no. Then they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Why were they saying these things? Because they had heard about it in their synagogue all their life that before the Messiah would come, he would send Elijah. And I want to, I want to show you where that prophecy comes from um, right there. From John, just turn with me, Malachi chapter 4. If you go to the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, and you just flip back a page, you'll get to Malachi. In the last chapter of Malachi, chapter 4, in verse 5, he says this. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. You see, the last word of the Old Testament is curse. The word of the New Testament is blessing. Amen. But what I want to point out here is that the prophet Malachi was saying, prophesying by the Spirit of the Lord, that before the Lord comes, he's going to send Elijah. So these people who saw John baptizing all of these folks went out to him and asking him, hey, are you this Elijah who is to come? Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Elijah that God said was coming before the Messiah? And he said, I am not. But I want to show you something. Jesus said that he was. Go with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus was talking about John the Baptist, and he said, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, verse 14, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has an ear, let him hear. So Jesus is saying, this one is coming. He came in the spirit of Elijah, and he's proclaiming Christ to come. He is the Elijah. So they were asking, are you the Elijah? John said, I'm not. But really, Jesus said, he was. The one who was coming to prophesy the coming of the Lord. And they asked him, so who are you? Who should we? I'm a voice of one calling out in the wilderness, make way, get ready for the Lord. Amen. So he, he fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that he was the one that was preparing the way. But he also fulfilled when Malachi said the prophet Elijah will come. But also I believe that could be a twofold prophecy when he comes again before the judgment of Christ. Before, during the tribulation, we know there's going to be two witnesses on this earth. Many think it might be Moses and Elijah because those two guys were never really uh, physically bodily dead. 
Okay, My, oh, Moses, um, you know, left the world and laid down his body, and then there was a dispute over it, and uh, you know, uh, Michael picked it up, praise the Lord, and then Elijah got caught up in a whirlwind and went up to heaven. All right. So there could be some of some could be right there that those could be the two witnesses. So sometimes a prophecy is twofold. So John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah getting things ready. So I just wanted to point that out because this is something interesting in John 1. Are you Elijah? No, I am not. Are you the prophet? The prophet, not a prophet. Are you the prophet? What prophet are you talking about? Well, Tyler brought this out also Wednesday night. I want you to see it. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Go with me there. You hear those Bibles flipping. Praise God. Everybody bringing their Bibles to church. Deuteronomy 18. Look at verse 14. We're going to look at 14 through 19. The nations you will dispossess Listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord at Horeb the day you assembled and you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God nor see his great fire anymore lest we die. Verse 17, the Lord said to me, what they said is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among the brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. And this prophecy Moses was writing down was talking about Jesus. Amen? So the Jews were looking for the signs they were looking for. Is this... Um, the Elijah, are you Elijah, John the Baptist, who said it was coming? Are you the prophet that Moses talked about? He said, I am not. But we see that Jesus said, yes, he has come in that spirit of Elijah. And the prophet they were talking about was Jesus Christ himself. Finally, they said, who are you? And he said, hey, I'm the one Isaiah talked about, the voice crying out in the wilderness. Praise the Lord. Look also at John yeah, 122. Who are I'm the one. Tell them I'm the one, the voice crying out in the wilderness. Look at John 6. It also talks about surely this is the prophet. John chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet. Do you see that? Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew himself to a mountain to pray. So again, here they are. They all know the prophecies of Moses. They know he wrote about the, the prophet. I'm going to raise up a prophet like you among the people. And they're going to listen to him. And now they're questioning, you know, surely when they hear Jesus pray, surely this is the prophet that we've been hearing about that Moses talked about in Deuteronomy. Folks, these people had the scrolls. They had the book of Deuteronomy. They used to read it and study it. They were looking. Okay? So they know uh, Elijah's going to come. They know that uh, the prophet's going to come. And now they're saying, wondering, Jesus, are you the prophet Moses spoke about? 
Okay, so they're, they're determining these Jews who had the scriptures are looking and seeing and starting to hear about this, this Jesus who's doing these miracles. Could he be the one? Praise the Lord. Again, in chapter 7, verse 40 to 44, it talks about that again. Verse 40, on hearing these words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Not a prophet, but the prophet. The one Moses talked about. Others said he is the Christ, the Messiah. Hey, they're one and the same. Still others asked, how can Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? He grew up in Nazareth of Galilee and they see him as there. They didn't realize he had been born in Bethlehem. The prophecies talked about he would be born in Bethlehem. Okay, so the people are all curious and wondering. He's doing the miracles. He's doing the signs. Could this be the Messiah? Verse 43 says, thus the people were divided because of Jesus. That's a one-line statement in itself. Think about it. The Bible says the people were divided because of Jesus. I want to tell you, same thing's true today. The world is divided because of Jesus. We are united with him and united in love, praise the Lord, and becoming one more and more. But the world is divided. He said, I've not come to bring peace on earth. Peace, I've come to bring a sword and it will divide. I've come to bring peace on earth between God and man. And we who have received that peace are one and have peace with God. And because we have peace with God, we can have peace with each other. But this is true also. In the world, there's division. There's division. In our own government, it's divided sharply over those who believe and want to follow Christ and those who don't. In the world and other nations, it's divided sharply. Everything's divided. See, one day, praise God, there's going to be a new heaven and new earth, and those who have received him are going to be in one place, and everyone else will be divided in a different place forever. The time to make a decision, who is Christ to you, and do you want to follow him, is now. Because there's going to be a, he's going to divide the sheep from the goats. The world is divided today. Just look around. You know, praise the Lord. We are one and we are growing in unity as the body of Christ. The church is one, but it's not one with the world. It's divided from. And there's a sharp conflict and contrast that will continue. Okay? That you have to be prepared for and ready. Amen? Hallelujah. The peace on earth will come when this king comes back. Okay, and those who have rejected him are in a different place. There'll be peace on earth all over the place then. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So surely this is the prophet. Now, I want to get into a little bit of the I am's of Christ. What else did he say who he is? Go with me now to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus 3, and then we'll start looking at all the I am's in the book of John. Exodus 3. Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. He is everything 
Now, praise God, a years, few years back, there was a beautiful sermon by um, Billy Graham, you know, that the I am's of Christ. It's been preached all over the place. The I am's of Christ in John. Okay. And then, uh, but he says one statement that he made. He said that what, what God said in Exodus, I am, then the New Testament completes, I am who? I am what to you? And it begins to show us that he is everything. He is life. So then John gets more specifically about all the I am's. And let's look at it, who he is. But first, praise God, in that, I want to take you to a story in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, where he first reveals it. John 4, dealing with the woman at the well, more specifically, the Samaritan woman at the well. The Bible says here, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it wasn't Jesus who was doing the actual baptizing, it was his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and he went back to Galilee. Judea to the south, Samaria in the middle, okay, and Galilee to the north. So he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son to Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, or about noon in the day. When the Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman, came to draw water, Jesus asked her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a, Jew, a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, let me give you a little background on this. Many years before, when Solomon was king of Israel and built the temple and the glory was revealed. Shortly after his death, the kingdom was divided. It was divided ten tribes to the north, was now called the nation of Israel, and two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, to the south, um, called the nation of Judah. Uh, for short, that's how we get the name Jew for Judah, okay? So it was, and altogether now, we think of the Jew as all of the Israelites because they're being brought together as one again. But think of it at that time, it was divided, 10 tribes to the north, two tribes to the south. Okay, in the northern kingdom, if you read about in Kings and Chronicles, you'll see that Assyria, the nation, came and invaded them and they wiped them out. You know, took a, took a lot of things there, brought a lot of their people to Assyria. And what Assyria would do, they would infiltrate the lands they took. They would bring their people and they would mingle with them. They would intermarry with them and they would create a new a culture trying to put, push their culture on the people that they conquered. So the Israelite kingdom, those who were left in the north, were um, they, they, uh, false gods were brought in, they intermarried, they were mixed breed. God's people at that time were supposed to remain holy themselves, not to mingle with the religion or the culture of the people of the day. They were God's holy chosen people. 
And now those 10 tribes have intermarried, have intermixed. So now the Jews of Judah and Benjamin to the south wrote them off. We no longer accept you as our brothers. They are a mixed breed, a half breed of people. They're not God's holy people anymore. And they hated them. Okay. And then the southern kingdom, Judah, to the south, uh, Judah and Benjamin uh, remained faithful for a while. They got corrupted. And then King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon came in and wiped out the temple and took them into exile as well. So it happened to both. Okay, you see? But even at, at this time later, uh, the exiles came back to Jerusalem. They rebuilt the temple. They began to worship. But they never did accept the people to the north who now they call Samaritans as part of their brothers and sisters in, in, in God anymore. Are you with me? So they hated Samaria so much that even when the people from Jerusalem were going to Galilee or from Galilee, from the lake down to Jerusalem, they would walk around Samaria. They hated it so much. And here is Jesus taking his disciples from Jerusalem to Galilee, and he doesn't care about what the, the, the synagogue rulers and the temple rulers in Jerusalem said. He, he cares about truth. He's God in the flesh. He cares about all people. He comes down and he takes his disciples right through Samaria. So they're walking in Samaria. Where some of his disciples like, wait, why are we going here? We're not supposed to go through here. Our parents told us to stay away from this. We can't do this. We can't go. And Jesus takes them right through Samaria. And they get to a, a town. And there's Jacob's well. Uh, forefathers from all the tribes. Jacob's well is there. And Jesus stops at the well and sits down and rests. And his disciples go into town. Okay. And while he's there, a Samaritan woman comes out. Is there, and Jesus begins to talk to her. Folks, first of all, in that day, you know, a man couldn't talk to a woman uh, who wasn't his wife or family out in public. It was against their culture and against their law. Second of all, a Jew couldn't talk to a Samaritan according to their laws of their culture of that day as well. So here Jesus was breaking all of their rules, and he's reaching out to this Samaritan woman. So that's the background of the story, okay? So he likes to interact with people right where they are. So he says, would you give me a drink? Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, okay, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, this woman's got his attention. She's like, what? Who is this guy? Why is he talking to me? And why is he talking to me like that? Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Picture they're standing at a well. There's got to be a bucket go down, pull up and get water. He said, look, you didn't even bring anything to draw with. Where can you get me this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks? See, they had kind of, it was Jacob's well, the forefathers of all the Jews, not just the northern kingdom, but the southern. And they had kind of make that a holy place for them. Hey, look, you know, we have a right to the kingdom of God because Jacob's our father and he built this well. So she's getting religious on him. Okay, and it wasn't all about that. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water 
will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty and keep coming here to draw water. She's looking at it as a physical, eternal, never be thirsty again. And then he said, okay, so now she's asking. Yes, I want this water. I hear what you're saying, and I want it. So then he says this, go call your husband and come back. She's interested in what he has. Now he's willing to deal with some life issues. Everything Jesus did and said was God. Okay? God wants to heal your wounded heart. He wants to deal with your life issues. He's offering her this living water, and he knows she has some deep-rooted issues. Amen? He came to bless, but he wanted to address it. So he says to her, go call your husband. She says, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. Wow. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So he's telling, hey, you just told me the truth. Okay? You don't have a husband now, but you've had five, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And yet he's offering her, offering her eternal life and living water. Amen. But he also wants to address her issues. Amen? He wants to address it. And she, he wants her to tell the truth. And she did. What you're saying is quite true. So he addresses it. He speaks to her. Now watch what she says. Sir, the woman said, I see that you are a prophet. She recognized and understands that a prophet has a word from the spirit of the living God and can say things that no one else knows. So she recognized, I see that you're a prophet. But then look what she says in verse 20. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews from down south in the other kingdom say that you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. You know, we've been divided from y'all a long time. You know, y'all hate us and we worship here. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. This is Jacob's well. Here's the mountain. Hey, so what does she do? He's there to offer her eternal life. He's there and brought up her issues. He wants to help her and fix her. And what does she do with it? She wants to make a religious question and kind of get the focus off of her. Oh, look, rather than focus on my issues and let you help me and, you know, you know, penetrate my heart and fix my wounds and give me eternal life. Let me turn it real quick and say, you know, hey, let me ask you, well, how do y'all baptize? Or, you know, let me ask you, you know, well, what do y'all believe about this? Or let me ask you, where do y'all worship? Or let me ask you some, hey, or let me, where did Cain get his wife? Or, you know, what do you do? Where did the dinosaurs go? Or all these other issues they want to ask. When Jesus wants to give eternal life. That's something. You know, those of you who witness and talk to people and the Holy Spirit gives you a word and you deal with them and they want to kind of shy away and start asking questions about silly stuff. Think about it. Here, the one with eternal life is willing to give it to her. And they want to, she wants to make a bit of an argument. But yet she's touched. Yet she's intrigued. Yet she's already said, yes, I want what you have. 
I want this offer you're making. She's got some religious questions in her heart. And she wants to bring that out to divert the attention. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain or Jerusalem. It's not about religion. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. God brought that nation, and through them, he opened up salvation to the ends of the earth. Amen? He began to teach us through Moses and through the law our need for a Savior. And now the Savior's come. And now when He comes, He's opening it up to the Samaritans and to all the people and to all the way here to Winsboro, Louisiana. And no matter where we are, Jesus has now opened it up to all people. But it came through. Amen? Jesus declared, praise the Lord. Yet a time's coming when the worships will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and they are the kind of worships, worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. She knew it too. See? They had the Old Testament prophecies. She knew he was coming, and she knew about him. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Now watch this. This is the first one that I claim to be I am, even though it's not linked together just like that. Jesus then declared, I who speak to you am he. So he declares himself, I am the Messiah. To who first? A Samaritan woman. The religious of the day would think he would have went to the temple in Jerusalem and presented himself to the scribes, the Pharisees, and the high priests and showed the miracles that he did to prove himself to be the Messiah, that he could get their you know, recognition and ordination to go out. No, he's walking through Samaria, a town where they all hated, and talking to a woman he's not supposed to talk to, and talking to a woman who is a, an, an adulteress, you know, and a fornicator. And he offers her eternal life. And she says, when the Messiah comes and he reveals himself to her, the one you're looking at, I'm him. Isn't that amazing? He chose to reveal himself to a Samaritan woman. First time he really told everybody, I'm the one. Openly, out loud, okay? So he tells her, I am he. And praise God, we know the disciples return under, why is he talking to this woman? You know, man, she leaves and goes back into the town. She tells everybody, come here, a man that knew everything I've ever done. And they're thinking like, hmm, really? We know what you've done. And they know, but nobody wants to talk about it out loud. This guy told you what he's done openly. And they said, hmm, intriguing. And they all went out and they listened to Jesus and praise God, those Samaritans who Israel, the Jews from Judah, had kind of kicked out and wouldn't associate, they got saved first, praise the Lord. They believed Jesus Christ and came into the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And she began to witness to everybody. Isn't that amazing? That shows pictures. So John is showing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, we go on uh, from here. And praise God, the I am's of Christ, they are so many. 
We listed about 23 or 24, if you count this one. And praise God, I'm going to get into a lot more of them as we didn't get to it this week, but I'll continue next week because it's already noon, okay? So I just started right there with the message of the Samaritan woman. We'll talk about, if you haven't done your homework yet and looked up the IMs, that would be a good part of your Bible study, or as you're studying the book of John, go through, and everywhere he says, I am, you'll hear about, I am the bread of life. You know, I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. And there's many more. And each one of those reveals God and who he is, makes it personal, who he is to you. It has to come to that. I told you last week, as we're believing, that as we're fasting, praying, and studying together, the purpose of this, we read in John, if you love me, hallelujah, you will obey me, and I will show myself to you. And then we learned, as one young lady said so beautifully, I learned that Christ loves me, and when Christ, you know Christ loves you, you will want to love him and follow him. And as you do, he shows himself to you. I believe through the word of God today, through the word of God you're going to study, through the word we're getting together, and God is showing himself to us more and more. And I believe, praise God, as you see him more clearly and his love for you, it's going to flow out of you to others. Amen? Hey, this week, tell somebody about Christ's love for you and his love for them. Amen? When they come into contact with how much he loves them, like this Samaritan woman did, it changed her life. She knew that he's the Messiah now, and she knew that he's offering her eternal life, regardless of what she's done in the past. You see, grace overcomes sin, okay? Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Isn't that beautiful? Father, we thank you and praise you of who you are in this church and us growing together and growing together in our knowledge of who you are in us. Bless each and every one. I speak blessing on homes, on families, on bodies, on minds. Your peace, your presence touch us in every area. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.